This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. How exciting is this? My first time hosting NASCAR America in the studio. They told me Kurt Busch was going to be here, and now I realize what they meant. They mean virtually. Because, you know, it's not, a, it's not a real car. It's just stand-up. Hey, Kurt, what's up? Hey, hey Kurt, what's up? You are here. <laughs> I am for reals. Well, this is awesome. Yeah. Let's start the show, then. We're going racing at Daytona. Two laps to go. Kurt Busch leads the Daytona 500. He's never won before in Daytona, a former series champion. He will fix that today. <laughs> Winning a 59th edition of the Great American Race. <laughs> I can't believe it. I love you guys. Thank you. Welcome to NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. Kurt Busch is in the studio, along with Dale Jarrett. I'm Rutledge Wood. Kurt, it is great to have you here, man. This year's Daytona 500 champion. I mean, it really is such a great way to, to send this message to everybody in the garage that this is going to be a big year for us. What's that wave been like as you've gone through the year? Uh, it's been incredible. I mean, to switch over in the offseason to Ford, that took a lot of work. But at the same time, I felt like there was something special brewing. And getting back with Doug Yates, uh, you know all yes, about Doug Yates and sure. his passion for Daytona. I felt like it was our race to lose going in. And then we would worry about all the other things as far as electronics, oiling system, aerodynamics. Like Daytona is its own race. And yes, uh, having Tony Gibson on my side, <laughs> that was uh, the secret weapon. Kurt, you know, as I've now gotten out of the, the driver's seat and, and watched these Daytona 500s uh, unravel and, and unfold at the end, there are always other stories. And you know as a driver that, you know, and when you win, there are things that people don't think and talk about as to how you got there. So as I watched you win this race, I thought things you were doing were just incredible. And then I found out you didn't even have a rearview mirror to be trying to hold people off. How did you make all of that work? You know, I like the way the race unfolded. It was more of an old school race because we had such a long green flag run at the end. I mean, it was a full yeah. fuel run. Guys were starting to run out and uh, we had everything going against us that day with the damage. Uh, I think I was speeding on pit road. Uh, we had a loose wheel at one point and then the mirror broke. I'm like, well, this, this doesn't matter. This is just going <laughs> along with the rest of our day. And the way the race played out though, um, I was waiting for other guys to make mistakes. And the attrition value was really high this year because we had lower downforce mm -hmm. with the same tire. So I figured there's me a lot of wrecks, which there was, and I took the tortoise approach. I was just kind of waiting for everybody to do their thing and guys moving around at the end and the seas parted and there we were to win it. 
<laughs> nice to be at the right place at the right time. Oh, you know? for sure. That yeah. was what I wanted. I wanted to be in that second to third place spot because yeah. of the damage we had on our car. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to do that and take advantage of, of situations and opportunities when they present themselves. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I was looking around. I'm like, all right. So there's Logano up here. He's won this race. Uh, Truex was close the year before. Uh, I got this guy, I got that guy, I got, I, got, I got these guys, I got all these rookies, I can handle them. Well, you'd help plenty of other people also win races, push them to victory, so it's kind of nice that things, you, you think that you're always told things even out, but they don't always seem like they do there. I just, I kept believing. Yeah. I kept um, the honesty with the track and the feel of when you do good or when things go bad, that it'll all even out. And I just kept honestly feeling like there was going to be that moment. And that was that moment for me this past year. So amazing win for Ford to start off the year that yeah. way, uh, you know, with Haas Automation, Monster Energy's first race as the entitlement sponsor of the series. And we had been together over the last uh, half a dozen years yeah. uh, as, with a sponsorship and just as a brand ambassador. I mean, a fun group with uh, 40 monster girls there, <laughs> are the CEOs. I mean, we partied with Gronk and had a great time all throughout the night. So we had a good time. Better than that. Yeah. It was big. It's cool. Kurt's here for the whole hour. <clears throat> We're going to have a segment coming up later where Kurt's going to answer some of your trivia questions. And hopefully some of you watching can contribute. Sorry, I'm getting choked up just getting so emotional about your win. <laughs> Thanks, Rod. Thanks, you can tweet any type of trivia question to our NASCAR on NBC Twitter page using the hashtag AskKurt. Now, as we look at the Monster Energy Series playoff picture, Kurt is among the 10 drivers that have virtually guaranteed a playoff spot with Martin Truex Jr. leading the way with 28 playoff points, three race wins, and 13 stage wins. A few weeks ago at Daytona, Kurt talked about Truex building his playoff advantage. You can just sit there and almost lollygag all the way to Homestead with as many playoff points as he's accumulated. Kyle Larson can almost do the same thing. Whoever has those bonus points, uh, they can just kind of cruise in a small way through some of the rounds of the playoffs. So we'll see how it all plays out. We know that uh, we need to accumulate more bonus points to be competitive and to be one of those final four at Homestead. So, Kurt, when you look at it and, and take these new format and the, the points, you know, how much strategy is in every week? Well, I mean, with the way the format was with three races at a time and you have to get through those three and advance to the next three, with these playoff points going with you now, what you accumulate through the regular season is a huge difference maker because let's say you get to that uh, round of eight and you have a bad race at Martinsville, uh, which we've struggled at Martinsville and Truex has got 30 points and we have five. That's 25 positions. He's already ahead of us. Uh, and so that's what I'm referring to when you can kind of cruise because when you're a top eight team, uh, you, you're the best of the best. Yeah. Really, there's there's these eight guys that can win any given week, 12, 16, okay. But those eight, man, if you're one of them and you have 25 bonus points more than the next guy, you're, you're almost going to Homestead already. So does that change your approach as a driver when you get in these situations? But <laughs> I say that, but then you still can't try to manufacture this unless you have the car to make all of that happen. There, there's two key things, though. But if Truex gets wiped out and now has, all his bonus points are gone, it's a whole new mm -hmm. playoff atmosphere. If, if Larson has trouble or whoever's up there with those bonus points. But for us on the 41 car, the biggest thing is race wins. That's how you gain more bonus points that go with you to get to the final race in Homestead. Is there any different pressure, do you feel like, thinking about the segments, or is it still just all the race win? It, it's 
there's the segments, but still, the race win, it's two-thirds of the points are handed out at the end, and I really like trophies at the end. I mean, those are way <laughs> cooler than a green and white checkered flag stage win. Yeah, when you look at, at everything that y'all had to do to get ready for this season, I mean, coming out and winning the Daytona 500, that was great. Everybody said, oh, the switch to Ford, no problem at all. It, it was after that when things started to be a little bit different for you with new chassis and a different body and a different engine. You know, uh, and Harvick almost won Atlanta earlier this year, and I think it was the adrenaline and all the hard work that SHR put in, and we're still putting it in every day, but... Yes, it was that, okay, now we're settling in, that West Coast swing. I might have earned five points all three of those weeks. It was it was tough. Uh, we had electrical issues, uh, and then we had uh, the tires, uh, the, the way that Goodyear was making them with the same code, they felt different. Uh, but then the aerodynamics, that really started to come into play. So it, it took us to about Charlotte, uh, the Monster Energy All-Star Race, to really get our arms around everything. And now I feel like we go to the track each week to lead laps and to be competitive. And that's what makes this season so fulfilling is winning Daytona was wonderful, but working hard every week at short tracks, road courses, and the super speedways, all of it together with a, a new manufacturer with Ford, that's that's what's been so exciting about this year. Yeah, and the, the driver lineup changed too. You, you, one of your drivers, championship drivers, Tony Stewart, uh, who was an owner, but is now just the owner. Uh, and then you bring in Clint Boyer. How's that transition worked out for you? And, and what has Clint brought to the team? I, I thought it was an upgrade in the ownership category for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we have Stewart focused 100% on the ownership side. And uh, with Boyer, uh, you know, he had a, a tough couple seasons. And he was ready. He was anxious and roaring to go. And that bumped up Harvick's performance. Mm -hmm. Myself and Danica's throwing in that new blood all gave us that, that extra energy to go. And what are we going to achieve next as a group? So I think we upgraded in all these different areas. And it was just a matter of finding those little small difference makers. Was it weird not seeing Tony in that capacity anymore? It actually, it, it was early on. You know, he, he was our brand ambassador at Stuart Haas Racing. You know, you thought of Mobile One, you always thought of Tony and Bass Pro, Tony. All of our sponsors circled around him, and he's done an incredible job to be a leader, you know, full-time now owner. But as our driver owner, uh, he was incredible in that 14 car. For sure. Now, a little news today that I will try not to mess up because Carolyn is so good at this. <laughs> NASCAR announced today that President of promotion the new president of the role of promotions role of president excuse me Brent Dewar has been promoted uh, effective immediately now Dewar was hired as NASCAR's chief operating officer in December of 2013 he becomes the fourth president of NASCAR Mike Helton served in that capacity from 2000 until his promotion to vice chairman of NASCAR in 2015 now, coming up, we got Parker Kligerman is in the house. He's here, and he's going to get Kurt in the simulator so you, Kurt can show us why he is so good. Dale and I'll pull up a chair and try not to distract him too much. Exactly. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year.
Had a struggle over the late spring and early summer for Kurt Busch. No more. He wins today at New Hampshire International Speedway. This is just an awesome win. It's just tremendous. It's been so long since I got the victory lane, I don't even know who to talk about. Kurt Busch sees the checkered flag and begins his chase for the next outcome with a victory. A New Hampshire sweep for Kurt Busch. Show us how it's done. New Hampshire is one of seven Monster Energy Series tracks where Kurt Busch has earned multiple wins. Should he get win number four at the Magic Mile this weekend, he'll tie our own Jeff Burton atop the track's all-time win list. And for more on this weekend's track, Parker is at the simulator with Kurt. Take it away, Parker. Thanks, Rod. I'm actually over here just taking a little bit of notes at this time because <laughs> I'm watching a master of this place get around here in the simulator. And, Kurt, I'm watching you go around here. When we were teammates at Penske, I remember going to a test at Milwaukee, which is a flat track, kind of like New Hampshire. And yeah. you were amazing at hitting the same points in the same lap time within tenths of a second. How, what do you focus at New Hampshire on to be able to do that? Uh, just being smooth. I mean, you find reference points. Uh, this track's fun because you have those um, breaking zones going into the corners where there's markers, and you just pick them up like a checklist each time you go through there. All right, I'm lifting, and then I'm going to get on the brake here. And then I like how there's always multiple lanes at New Hampshire. I'm going to aim for this middle lane, which is the preferred, and this is where the most speed is. But if you really want to make passes, you got to be good down here on the flat and drive up off the corner. Hey, Kurt, you were talking a while ago about uh, the Daytona 500, the attrition rate there with less downforce. I see with this small spoiler on the back this weekend, I can foresee a lot of brake, tire beat issues, uh, things like that, and even cars getting really loose down on the inside on the entrance trying to make a pass. Yep, you said it exactly right. This loose entry coming down into the corner trying to look underneath somebody, you're going to see loose in and guys getting up into each other and washing up. Loose Yeah, clear. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm going to fill in for Tony Raines in the simulator here, if you yeah. don't mind. So, look, I was too busy listening to you guys talk, but I, I think loose entry is definitely going to be the biggest thing to fight. And you mentioned that loose entry, how flat this place is. You've won multiple races here, as Rutt said, but in the recent years, it's maybe been a little bit more of a struggle. Has this place changed at all? Has there been a difference with the downforce that you haven't as much liked in the cars, or what's been the biggest difference for you in the last couple of years? The biggest difference is uh, it's all about restarts and short run speed. Uh, the races that I won, man, we'd have long green flag runs and a green flag pit stop, and you'd be out there for 120 laps plus. Now, I mean, it's all about 40 laps at a time. That's all you're racing pretty much at New Hampshire. 40 laps, you're pretty much going to have another restart. Kurt, as I'm watching you there. wheel this thing, <laughs> I'm realizing, Dale, did you ever have a simulator, or was it like the... The Kyle Petty NASCAR game on Nintendo. That was what it was, yes. And I wasn't even good at that. So if this is what it took, I'm not sure I would have ever made it. But, Kurt, this has been a big, become a big part of what drivers do to acclimate themselves uh, to the different changes of, of cars and, and tracks. Yeah, it's a, it's a good tool to use. Uh, you have to use it uh, with a, an open mind because there's not any tire buildup, tire drop-off, air pressure builds. The tires are the toughest thing to simulate in a simulator, but racing lines, other cars, getting your bearings you know, correct again with uh, the, the different characteristics of a track, absolutely, simulators are a great tool. Would you have used this if this was available when you were coming up? Of course, you, you have gotten to. Into it? You have to use every tool available, and even as a veteran driver, you cannot ignore 
what new tools are out there. And you mentioned lines. Well, this coming up weekend, they've put that traction compound, VHT, PJ1, whatever you want to call it. And it's supposed to be in the upper grooves. If maybe show us where would you, what are you going to be looking for in practice throughout the weekend, eventually where you might run if that grip compound rate comes in? Yeah, let's watch this white car go to the inside. And it, it might be up here. I'm not sure. But what they're trying to do is create this third lane up here and have more grip and watch cars racing. Oh, 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 get that oh, loose. Oh, oh, no, oh, there it was. We I, didn't have it down. I got in there. the VHT. Here, I'm going to show you a trick that you don't have in real life. So if yeah, you hold yeah. the brake down real yep, quick, hold, hold, the hold the brake, hold the brake. Yep. We're going to be able to get a backup car here. Backup this is car. Jiffy. I think yes. the crew chief, Tony Gibson, will want to have that. Boom. That same easy Let's button, I think. <laughs> That's not VHT, man. I got in it at Bristol and spun it around early in the race. Yeah, that's unpredictable. My, yeah, that's my only thing with learning on the simulator is those crashes don't hurt. You know, <laughs> in real life, that doesn't feel very good. <laughs> Look at us. We only lost a lap and a half, boys. We're still good. We're still digging. We're Brand new car. We're back dog. in this one. We're going to get a lucky dog. We'll get back in there. Yeah, and you see that pack of cars in there, and you don't, you just lost that grip. And that's what this track is trying to fix is that if you were to go up there before this traction compound, there's no grip up there. You're not going to run up there. There's You'd only get up there if you were forced there on a restart. Do you think, I mean, when you go up there and you look at this racetrack, is it going to have the viability of being able to get up there? We'll see how it all plays out. I mean, they're also going to put some VHT or that grip down on the yellow line on corner in the in the corners to help on restart. So you can see, though, as soon as I was off my rhythm or offline, that's what changes things. And you got to be ready for anything at any time when, when you're at the track these days because of the tire or with uh, some of the tracks putting down VHT restarts uh that that's why everything right now is is at a good spot in our sport because there there hardly is any predictability right now kurt where you are in your career how often are you using simulators and what tracks in particular do you use those for um i would say at least once a month right now uh we're trying trying different things i know i went before uh the season started i went to phoenix atlanta and vegas uh, just to help the uh, engineers uh, settle some issues with some of the setup ideas. We went to Sonoma to double check on some of the gear ratios. We'll do the same thing for uh, Watkins Glen, uh, playing with some gear ratios. So, But there's also Boyer, Harvick, Danica, everybody's helping out at SHR, and uh, we do it at the Ford Performance Center. Uh, so all the Ford drivers are over there chipping in, making the simulator better, and making all of our Fords better. Hey, Kurt, uh, you brought up and, and you're in a racing mode right now, but talk about the restarts and the difficulty of them. And, and hey, they've always been difficult on this flat track, but with double file restarts now and having to get everything that you can get to, to make up time. It, and one strategy that you use on one restart might not work on the next because you taught that other guy what you just did or they saw it happen or they're trying something different. You just have to find the right holes, go with your instinct, and be able to make up ground. And you can't do it though in a panic. You get in a panic and you try to go for too much, you end up backed in the fence pretty quick at Loudon. I think we found the secret. If you're talking and able to pass this many cars as you are right now in the simulator, you're gonna be really good this weekend. Dude, there's so many voices in my head when I'm at the track. You guys are just kind of like blending in with the rest. <laughs> All right, we, know, we found the secret for him here. That's, that's well done, Parker, right there. I like your style. Coming up, we want you, the fans, oh. to provide us with some trivia questions. Oh, clear. he's in the wall. Didn't I, I didn't do my job. My spotter let me down. I, oh, I'm man. fired already. Send us, send us those questions. Use the hashtag AskKurt. He's going to attempt to answer those later in the show. Now, both Kurt and DJ earned the right to be called Cup Series champions. 
And with being champion comes a chance to make an impact on the sport. We'll discuss that next on NASCAR America. Welcome back. NASCAR America is your place to get the latest news, highlights, and analysis about the sport you love. And it's now weekdays, 5 Eastern, right here on NBCSN. Off of turn number four, he's going to finish the race in the fifth position. And Dale Jarrett has won the NASCAR Western Cup Championship for 1999. A look at relief from the well-respected team owner, Robert Gates. The first championship for Jarrett and Gates. They've done it in 1999. Congratulations to the both. Kurt Busch is the 2004 NASCAR Nextel Cup Series champion. there in the car. A great job on that last lap. Very strong. Unbelievable deal. This is a, this is what a team does to win a championship. It's not every day you get to hang out with a pair of NASCAR champions, especially <laughs> ones that offer you a cough drop. But our guest, <laughs> Kurt Busch, became the first champion of the sports playoff era when he won the title in 2004. That came five years after Dale Jarrett joined his father, Ned, as a champion at NASCAR's top level. The crazy thing is only 31 men can call themselves NASCAR Series Cup champions, and I'm sitting here with two of them. How cool is that? So, fellas, I want to know what kind of an impact did it make on your life, your career, when you became a champion? Yeah, I think that it, you know, it certainly, you look at it at the immediate time that it happens, that all the hard work and effort that you put forth, you know, people don't understand a lot. They, uh, you don't get really known until you make it to the cup level, and then they think, Oh, it's been this way all his life. They don't understand the 20-hour days that you put in to make it to the racetrack the next day, looking for sponsorship, getting everything done. And then all of a sudden, your life is turned upside down. You realize what a small group of people that you're involved with. But, Kurt, I was 42 whenever I won my championship, so much older, much later in life. A lot of things happened uh, to me. But you it. 26 years old winning that, how did it change your life and, and things that, that went on and, and that you were able to take from that? Well, it, it was amazing. I mean, I, I feel blessed to have had the chance to win a championship and to do it at 26, somewhat naive, mm -hmm. young, and not really digesting everything that came into play. And yeah, everybody talk about teamwork. And Jimmy Fenning was my crew chief. Jack Roush was the owner. And yeah, you see this guy or that guy, but you don't know all the ins and outs of the, the engine department, the aero department, uh, the chassis, and, and how everything came together. Uh, that's something you learn with age yeah. and the respect of how the, the sponsorship works and what our job is to do uh, you know, uh, it, with, with that uh, brand name on our car. It's really impressive now to sit back and look at how it all came together. And I just didn't know any better. I just kept going. And my plan was when they introduced that new system, the new point system, they said, all right, 10 weeks and we're going to have a champion. I said, you know what? This is kind of the same thing as a normal season, just 10 yeah. weeks. Yeah. And if an average finishes seventh, gets the championship most years. I applied old school knowledge to yeah. a new school system. Yeah. Now, maybe Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty, because they won championships, and probably Jimmy now, they might have written stuff into their contract about if I become a champion, this is what will happen. But most of us didn't do that or anything. So the next year becomes kind of opening with everything your sponsors want you to do. So how did that go? And then did you feel like that you had a bigger voice in the garage area being a NASCAR champion? 
it's a, such a loaded weight of being a NASCAR champion, and, and I loved it. Uh, my first meeting with uh, Bill France Jr. Uh, in the office, uh, it's actually, it was at the Waldorf Astoria. He invited me to his room, and when you get through the room, you're cutting through the smoke with a, with a knife because he still <laughs> loved his Winston cigarettes. And it was the old-school moment of, son, you're now one of my champions, and it comes with great responsibility. And I was just in awe. Like, I've met the Oracle. I had never met uh, Bill France Jr. before that. And just that moment with him and what it brought for responsibility afterwards. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it's great. I mean, the appearances here, there, everywhere. I had to buy a Learjet to be able to get around to go to all these places. And like you yeah. said, things are taxed on <clears throat> you that you had no idea. And you're trying to keep up with everything. And that's where I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a big enough team behind me to help me uh, personally to be able to withstand the pressures of winning a, a NASCAR championship. Hmm. Someday I'll tell you about my first experience with Bill Jr. It wasn't quite that good. <laughs> That's another story a little, a little for another time. Huh? Yeah. When you became that voice in the garage, and we, we look forward to now, we have this amazing driver's council, and, and, and your voice really is appreciated. You know, for you as a driver, what's that like to have a voice on, on cars and, and what happens? And, yeah, I didn't quite finish that question properly with having that voice. For me, I was still shy. Uh, really, I was. <laughs> my interviews or my driving style might not have, have shown that, but I was still shy and trying to understand uh, the business aspect of it all. And uh, I went and, and met with Roger Penske after that and, and started racing for him. And I didn't necessarily want a voice, but I wanted to give my input. And where I could as a driver, as a champion driver, from the mainly from the cockpit, from the racing side on either downforce or tires. Um, safety was definitely starting to come into play by then. And uh, we're all great beneficiaries of the safety movement in NASCAR. And it's great to have had that put in place for, for our generation of drivers. But I just I didn't want too much of a voice. But a guy like Brad, you know, he was a great champion in 2012. He likes to be that guy, to be behind the microphone championing different uh, movements within our sport and certain guys fit it some guys don't there's other quiet guys and mm -hmm. then there's other business type guys okay so you brought us there so let's talk about what brad had to say saturday night after the race uh, i'm sure you've been made aware of it or heard it uh your thoughts on the car that you're racing right now and, and the challenge that you may have and as a driver and and the driver's council is this something that y'all discuss Sure. I, I'm not in the council, but I get the feedback from all the members and we're all there. Try to help all of us mm -hmm. have a responsibility as a champion driver. You have a yeah. responsibility to take the sport to its next step. And I think what Brad was talking about was the way that we wanted lower downforce as drivers. We wanted a simpler um, type of assembly of the bodies to where there's not as much template manipulation. Mm -hmm. Uh, then the, what we agreed upon, I thought, with NASCAR and the owners was a softer Goodyear tire. And we saw a little bit of that at the Monster Energy All-Star Race. Mm -hmm. That's the soft tire we're talking about that we still haven't implemented to all of the racetracks. Now we're throwing VHT or this VH1 on certain tracks. If you have a car with less downforce, you need a little stickier tire that's going to go with that. That's what we're still trying to balance. I think Brad just lost track with the heat of the moment moment for him. That's fine. Brad's Brad. I would have probably almost said the same thing, but we just, he had a little softer tire. Yeah, it's kind of, Goodyear's almost in a tough spot, especially a place like Kentucky that had the 
repave last year and then the repave for this year. So puts them in a tough spot. But I see where the driver, you know, to put on a good show, you have to feel like that you can attack with these race cars to give the fan the show that they want. And at the same time, Goodyear's got to build a tire that's conservative enough to not have blowout issues yeah. and to have right front impacts because your right front's blowing out. Mm -hmm. So big, heavy cars, let's get some weight out of them. Let's get some softer tires on there. And I know we can all do a better job. Drivers, NASCAR owners, and the, and the fans. The fans are important, too, with their feedback. Yeah. For you, at the end of the day, being a driver, what's the most important thing you want people to take away from the sport? Uh, just the fun, the competitiveness. Uh, when people come to the track for their first time, you want to blow them away with the sound and the feel, the energy. I mean, the kids gravitate towards our cars because they're colorful. The numbers are on our cars. Uh, I mean, some kids can just list off all the driver's names yeah. with the car numbers. The family aspect, the family atmosphere at our races, uh, there's so much to take in from NASCAR. But honestly, the, the car side-by-side, -side, bump drafting, getting sideways and saving them, that's what we need to get a little bit more uh, of the action back on track. I think it's so cool. You came by on your way because you wanted to be here. I'm on my way to New Hampshire, you know? I had that Learjet thing that's still I got to pay for. <laughs> right. Just stop off. And your wife might have been out of town, so it just works out. Th that's actually the true story. She's on a girl's trip to the Turks Caicos. So, hi, baby. Hope you're having a good time. <laughs> and I'm at work. We're so glad you're here. Coming up, we'll take a stroll down memory lane to where it all began for Kurt Busch. We'll take a trip to his hometown of Las Vegas when NASCAR America returns. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. New England will be the center of stock car universe this weekend. And the action actually begins tonight in Vermont at Thunder Road with our buddy Ken Squire. The Governor's Cup 150 features a lineup that will include Kyle Busch, and Phil Scott, who just happens to be the actual governor of Vermont. Last week, Scott became the first sitting governor to win a stock car race. Now, that's cool. Kurt and Kyle Busch got their start in racing at short tracks like the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now, Kurt, you got a couple of wins there in the former NASCAR Southwest Series. What was it about that that made it so special for you to win there? Uh, it was just the, the time at the track with my dad uh, and my mom. My mom, uh, she was the, the girl that would give you the wristbands when you check in. Uh, she was timing and scoring when we were all qualifying. And then she was at the pay window afterwards volunteering. And my dad was a racer and there was always a car in the garage. So it was just fun to go to the track and do it as a family together. And then little Kyle started coming up and racing as well. So it, it was, I looked forward to Fridays and Saturday nights at the track. What was your earliest memory of being in a race car or, or at a racetrack? Uh, my earliest memory was was um, probably two, three years old and in the grandstands. And I honestly, I, two, three is pretty early, but I remembered this one track. It had an X in the middle of it. And when we got to, when I was 10 years old, got to this track in Southern California called Orange Show Speedway, that X wasn't there. And I go, Mom, I thought this was the track that had the figure eight in the middle. And she said, no, that was Craig Road Speedway, and you would have been about three years old. So, I, I mean, cars, the racetracks, and the memories of going all through my childhood. I mean, I, yeah, I was that goofy kid underneath the grandstands goofing off while the races were going on. But when my dad was on track, we were there. We were watching, and we were making sure we were rooting on for him. 
there was a time period for you where you weren't sure whether racing was going to work, and it was really trying to figure out, you know, do I need to keep a full-time job? Do I need to go full-time racing? How did you make that balance work? You know, I was actually, uh, mom said school before racing, and so she um, made sure that good grades were coming in on the report card. I actually went to University of Arizona. I went to college and studied pharmaceutical, but I was just a freshman taking <laughs> core classes, but I don't know why I chose pharmaceutical. Uh, but I was starting to struggle a little bit in school, came back to Vegas. I was racing more and more and more. And the, the night when I knew I wanted to be a racer uh, was after I was just finished a graveyard shift working for the city of Las Vegas as a plumber, more or less, got to the track and won in my first ever late model stock race. So I did the dwarf car stuff, some modifieds, but that first night when I won in the late model car in my first race, boom, that car there, that's when I knew. I wanted to be a stock car driver. That was the moment. That was it. I mean, jump out, you're in victory lane and struggling in school, working the graveyard shift. And, oh, yeah, this this is going to be great. I think the check probably was for 110 bucks, but <laughs> it still was uh, the best feeling in the world, winning that first late model race. Now, when you went back and started racing, at some point you went back to, to that department, to a bunch of those guys that helped support you. What was that like for you to go back and, and tell those guys thanks and, and bring them pizza, I think? Check this out. I mean, so I was racing late models in Vegas, and I got a, a ride with Jack Roush's truck team. And I didn't want to lose that job. I mean, it was $18 an hour. I thought that was pretty good. That was a big deal. Yeah, for 20 years old. And so I asked my supervisor for a leave of absence. I just kind of Googled it. or Smart man. Maybe not even Google back then. But I asked for a year leave of absence just in case the racing thing didn't work out. And so the truck series went really well. I was rookie of the year and won a few races. Uh, got the cup series that year. I remember starting next to Dale Jarrett at Dover uh, in my first ever cup start. I mean, they just went that way and I was going that way. <laughs> but I went back to the water district to tell the supervisor, thank you for keeping my job open for me. I'm not going to need to come back. But I brought pizza and soda for everybody. Just say thanks for all that they did to, to help me at the, the water district. That's huge, man. We need yeah. to do Racing Roots with you, I think. You sh we should. You, you still doing that show? Yeah, yeah you want to go? Is NBC hosting all that good yeah, stuff? Yeah, can we, can we bring Kyle and Dale? Because Dale, Dale seems jealous. I think he wants to go sometime. Absolutely. I would love to do that. That's so much fun to go back to Vegas. We'll take you to the pizza parlor. We can go In-N-Out Burger. We'll show you around the track. You had me at In-N-Out. I was, okay. I was there. <laughs> Dale's in for In-N-Out, too. Now, you're not the only athlete in the Bush household. Uh, your wife, Ashley, is an accomplished polo player, so tell me a little bit about kind of getting to know that sport and her playing it. What's that been like for you? Uh, she's an amazing athlete, and she's hardcore about it. And she's actually got an endorsement now with U.S. Polo Association uh, with their, uh, their wear as far as their apparel. And for her to be a female and brand ambassador with USPA, there's some uh, bragging going on at home, you know. For sure. Yeah, she rides the horses so well. It's like watching art when she rides and plays. I'm so proud of her. She plays with the boys, and she gets out in there. I mean, it, it's neat to watch her play because there's so many similarities with her team and, like, the, the truck and the trailer with the horses, the crew, and being there for support as well. Uh, I'm, I'm the best water boy you've ever seen. I was going to say, is she, is she going to get you on a horse? I, I've been on horseback putting around. They call it uh, ball and stick, where you get on the back of the horse and you just go around with the mallet and hit the ball. But I'm, I'm only second gear, people. I don't need anything to happen on the horse. Yeah, that's a that's a good call. We got a fan question. Uh, Alex wanted to know: Have you talked to Gene about running an F one race? 
Um, of course, I've dropped the hint um, and would love the opportunity uh, to watch or to I watch, you know, Formula One on NBC's coverage and been to a couple of the, the Formula One Grand Prix. I don't know. It's, it's real hard to get one of those rides. You got to come with some cash or you got to be in the right spot. The right, maybe maybe a test session, maybe a test session. But, you know, I'm getting too old. I mean, I'm 38 and you got to be under 25. If you're going to be somebody right now. Come so, on. Yeah, I, might, I might be over the hill a little bit. On, this guy on that side of it. He's done the double. What can't you do? Come oh, on. thanks. Up next, we're going to reveal this week's nominees for our pit crew all stars and how one NASCAR team recently celebrated Canada Day in a most Canadian way. Stay tuned, eh? Stage 13 of the Tour de France is on NBCSN. The shortest stage of this year's tour is sure to be packed with fireworks for Bastille Day. Stage 13 of the Tour de France is live tomorrow morning at 8.30 Eastern with Tour Primetime at 8 p.m. Eastern. Meanwhile, the race of playoffs continues in the Monster Energy Series. With eight regular season races to go, six playoff spots are still up for grabs. 2003 champion Matt Kenseth holds a final spot by seven points over Joey Logano. This week's nominees for the NBC Pit Crew All-Star include Alan Steele. He's a front tire carrier for Chris Busher and a U.S. Army veteran. He served eight years and was an infantry team leader. Landon Walker, gas man for Casey Kane. Like many crewmen today, he's a former college athlete. Walker was an offensive lineman for Clemson football. Oh, go dogs! Caitlin Supin, lead engineer for Brendan Poole in the Xfinity Series, racing runs in her family. Her father was a crew chief in the K&N Pro Series for Brad Keselowski's current crew chief, Paul Wolf. And last but not least, Ryan Flores, the front tire changer for Ryan Blaney. Flores is also a talented driver himself. He won a three-quarter midget championship this past offseason. And there's the full list of nominees, two from the south, two from the northeast. In fact, Caitlin Supin's hometown is less than 20 miles from the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. One of her teammates at Chip Ganassi Racing is pit crew coach Sean Pete. Pete hails from Canada, and here's how the Ganassi gang helped him celebrate Canada Day. done Ganassi that's how you do it eh those guys they were doing great coming up we're going to throw all kinds of trivia at Kurt Busch you don't want to miss it when NASCAR America returns here's a question for you Rutledge great so now I'm asking the question okay. if you could trade lives with anyone for an entire day who would it be Ooh, anyone for an entire anyone. day do we want to narrow it down to NASCAR or just any, anywhere? Okay, great question. Let's narrow it down to NASCAR. Okay. Um, who could you be? Uh, you know what? I think I would want to be, 
I think I'd want to be Mario Andretti. I thought I was going to say me. Kurt is back in the simulator, and we're going to put him through a test of mind and body. Kurt, you're going to do five laps around New Hampshire Motor Speedway and try to answer as many trivia questions as you can. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Parker, fire it up. We got this. All right, so once you cross the, cross the start finish line, I'm going to start with these trivia questions. We got some coming into us from some fans out there, so we'll wait till you cross the start All finish right. line and see how many of these you can answer. You got to think like a driver, you know? We got sometimes we got to talk. We go. Here we go. Mike from Richmond asked, "What was the original name of Richmond Raceway?" Uh, Richmond International Raceway. Wrong. It's Atlantic, Atlantic Rural Exposition Fairgrounds. Al, Alan asked, during the 04 finale race, what would occur to your car that almost cost you the championship? Uh, the wheel broke. Correct. Where was your crew chief, Tony Gibson, born? Uh, Daytona Beach. Correct. Who got the game-winning RBI for the Cubs in the Game 7 of last year's World Series? I'm supposed to know this, but I don't. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Miguel Montero. Yeah. Uh, what was Las Vegas Arena will host? Which of Las Vegas Arena will host the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight? Um, the MGM Grand. Nope. T-Mobile Arena. Oh, those new guys. You should know this one. How many F1 They're drivers race for Haas F1 team? <laughs> Two. And who who are they? Oh, Grosh Sean and Magnuson. Yep. Well done. Uh, what fruit garnishes a Shirley Temple? Uh, cherry. What actor played Ricky Bobby in the Talladega Nights? Will Ferrell. Correct. What is New Hampshire Motor Speedway's nickname? Uh, the, the magic mile. Correct. We'll give you that one. How many seconds are in two minutes? Uh, 120. Nice. Name three Star Wars characters. Uh, Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, and Han Solo. Well done. Uh, which one of these is not a NASCAR and NBC pit reporter? Kelly Stavis, Monica Seles, or Mike, Marty Snyder? Monica Seles. Well done. <laughs> well, I want to say Marty Snyder. Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> true or false, the Cubs made a trade today for a pitcher from the Chicago White Sox. I heard it's true. Yes. What fast food restaurant has the best French fries? In-N-Out Burger. Oh, yeah? I'm going to give you that one. That's definitely correct. Uh, how many cups are in a gallon? Uh, there's eight cups in a gallon. Nope. 16. I just learned this today as well. Uh -oh. Which NASCAR <laughs> track is in the Finger Lakes region of New York? Uh, Watkins Glen. Well done. Which person in this studio had a son recently drafted by the Baltimore Oils? Dale Jarrett. That's Dale correct. Dale Jarrett did. Well done. Congrats to him. What NFL team is moving to Las Vegas? The Raiders. And how many players are on a polo team? Uh, four. Nicely. What WWE legend plays Luke Cobbs in Fast and Furious franchise? Uh, yeah, pass. Oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, yeah. And the last one, how many times did he finish second, or how many times did you finish second in the Daytona 500 before winning in 2017? Three. Well done. Correct. Uh, Kurt, I'd is, say that was impressive, guys. That's yes. pretty solid. Dale and I yeah. have a couple bonus round ones. Go ahead. Uh, what was Zach's last name on Saved by the Bell? Zach? Zach Morris? Yes! Yeah! Woo! that? I look like Zach. <laughs> totally. Wow. He's a blonde Tom Cruise yeah, right there. A lap time 17, right. Dramatically. That's, that's impressive. That's that a lot of questions. Yeah. That is. Can drive. We, we may have lost Answer a second questions. or so on the lap time there, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dale and I are wondering, uh, being a Vegas guy, are you going to go watch uh, McGregor and uh, Mayweather or it, what? It's on the off week, so I'm going to check in with my wife on that one, but I know I can get some tickets for Monster Energy. Is that going to be a yeah. long fight or a short fight, Dale? I, I'm not. We can't call it a fight, can we? I mean, it, well, I guess it is a fight because it's not a boxing match because McGregor's never done that. So it's going to be interesting. Whatever it's going to be called, it's going to be interesting. 
It's that's for sure. Right? Uh, I think he's fighting this car right now, guys. We're, oh, oh. Well, you're gonna do that a lot. We're, uh, we're in the wall again right now. Is that reverse? I, there's reverse, reverse yeah. action. And we I'm still glad have you're that getting reset all of this part. out of the way, Kurt. Yeah, just I'll, shake it off now. Yeah. I'm just trying to get Don't, donuts. Hopefully, going. Tony Gibson's not watching at home go. right yeah, now. I got, I I got cough going drops going. if you need them. I had to shake it off myself. Hey, uh, last mode. question, Kurt. A fan asked earlier, uh, if you won again this weekend, what would you do with that huge lobster? Oh, see, the first time that I won in New Hampshire and they gave me this lobster, I'm like, guys, put it back in the ocean. And <laughs> this time, we're going to eat it. Yes. Yes. Because what people don't people don't always know, what would you guess that lobster weighed? Yeah, it's it's like 25 pounds. I mean, it was heavy when they gave it to me. I'm like, oh, It's like holding yeah. a three-year-old. Yeah, Kyle Petty was had it, holding it up last year when we were in Parker Victor Lane there. I, I'm about to get dizzy that over here. Dizzy. I think we've, we've fully celebrated... <laughs> the vic the half victory we had here in the trivia there. Oh, we just got DQ'd now. Yes. Look at that. Yes. That's Hoots. He's not happy with you right Can now. Hey, Kurt, looking ahead to this weekend, is there any track that you've raced on to this point this year that helped you get set up for this weekend's race? Um, Phoenix is always a sister track and a little bit from Richmond. But I'd say that it's honestly the sport's moving so fast, the tires, the downforce. Uh, every track feels like a new track, and then they have the VHT this weekend, so we'll see how that plays into fact. I love that that in the midst of Kurt's donuts, which that smile was so big on his face, <laughs> you went for the serious looking forward to this week in question. Yeah, like that. How. So you got to switch, team. man. Well, go from uh, celebration to sure, race where the you, man's head is. Will you come back and do this again sometime? I'd love to if you guys will have me back. This is really fun. This is cool. Will you get? Will you not get disqualified on our simulator next time? I will do my best to yeah. stay within the, oh, just like, the, the rules. Yeah. That's good. Okay. That's good. the first time you've seen that, isn't it? Yeah, that's the this is a new one for us here. We've wrecked. We've crashed. We spun out. Man, this, this is, is a new DQ. This hey, is, Kurt, this back is. to the Daytona 500 win. Is, is there something that's happened since then, someone you met that you had not met uh, because of that win? Um, You know, that night was insane when we won Daytona. Uh, Gronkowski was there as, a, you know, the NFL Patriots Um tight end but we partied with him that night i mean there was monster girls everywhere my wife's like we should go home uh <laughs> it was an insane whole few weeks leading up to that and then to win the race i mean the biggest thing though is that was the first night uh first race for monster energy's entitlement sponsor for the series and it just it warmed my heart to watch all of them smile and enjoy what they were investing into with the sport of nascar all right kurt you're one of the final four in miami who's going with you the final four for what? For Miami. Who's going for the championship? Who do you want to come down to with you? Um, I think Truex right now is the car to beat. Larson always seems to find a way to the front. And may as well throw in my little brother because I'd love to beat him the most <laughs> out of any other competitor out there. It's a family affair. That's huge. We would love Just to see that. Day. Kurt Busch, you were the man. Thank you for being here. That's it for us for this edition of NASCAR America. We will see you from New Hampshire. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.